It's Thursday. Today is Thursday. I've brought you the greatest gift of all. Oh, yeah? Well, in that case... Entertain me! It's showtime. Make use of the help that God puts around you. We are not a glum lot. A promise is a promise. It's very simple. Just don't drink and go to meetings. Give time, time. We carry the message, not the alcoholic. Don't quit before the miracle happens. We're the defective characters. Three guys sitting around talking about our personal experience in recovery. Hey, I'm Mike. I'm Dennis. James here. The opinions are our own. We do not represent any organization, institution, or fellowship. Today, talking about day one in recovery, first meeting, how that went on day one of this Defective Characters podcast. Let's go, guys. All right. I'll open it up to James to explain kind of how we know each other, uh, where we are right now, and, and how long that uh, we've been in the same fellowship. I met Dennis a little over two years ago. Um, I had just moved to Celebration, Florida uh, with my wife, who's also in recovery. And Dennis was one of the first people I talked to. Um, he seemed like he was new which he was, and we just started talking, and he was kind, and I was able to confide in him what I had been through, and we just started sitting next to each other, and he was that first bro I had from the very beginning um, in my lifelong journey through recovery. Here in Celebration so far, I met Mike uh, maybe a few weeks afterwards, um, I believe it was a Saturday morning. I know Mike comes to every Saturday morning meeting. And thankfully, I'm always at the meetings as much as I can be. Uh, my wife re- reminds me not to say always because I don't always go. <laughs> so, um, and Mike was, I was just drawn to Mike right away. He uh, full of life, full of character. Um, he's young but uh, you can tell he's been around and he's, he didn't seem like um, a person that I, I wouldn't want to get to know. Um, he had that aura around him and I, I was just naturally attracted to him in a, a bromance kind of way. <laughs> so if, if, you've, uh, if you're listening right now and you're like, Celebration Florida, like where is that? It's essentially the, the town that Disney back in 1994 uh, built and uh, it isn't owned by Disney anymore. They signed it over a couple of years ago back to Florida. But uh, it is the meeting, if you're ever going to uh, Disney or Universal or SeaWorld, uh, specifically Disney, it's right in the backyard. So it's the closest, uh, I guess, town that has recovery meetings if you're going to Disney. Um, so that's, uh, that's our home group. So if you're ever actually visiting Disney and you're listening to this and you're like, Hey, what's, you know, where can I go to a meeting? Like, that's the one that we're all a part of. Uh, Correct. and I, I'm fortunate and I moved, uh, to town back in 2016, but when I used to come to vacation in Disney, these were the meetings that I went to. Um, and the, uh, the message of, if, if you're listening and you're having a really tough time right now um, and, you know, everybody, uh, <laughs> I feel like everybody has people in their lives, friends or family 
that are like, yeah, you probably got a problem with something. And they point it out before you see it. But if you don't like the way stuff's going, uh, I can tell you in, uh, you know, in episode two, three, and four, uh, Dennis, James, and myself uh, will explain just how we came in uh, to recovery, uh, where we were, uh, how we came in, and where we're at now. Uh, you know, in recovery, they say experience, strength, and hope, but it's pretty much uh, just that, uh, just living life and, and what life has actually brought us today uh, because of it. Uh, so I wanted to start since this is the day one and thank you for getting us started, James, with that. Um, I wanted to start with meeting one for us. So for you guys, it was in celebration, Florida, correct? For both of you, Dennis and James. Correct. Yes. Okay. So, um, it was, it was my, no, it wasn't my first meeting ever. Okay. So, so, so let's, let's start with this, uh, since yours, Dennis, was the one that's in Celebration, Florida, can you talk about the first day? So was it the morning yeah. meeting that you started with? Yeah, well, I, w- I would want to back up without getting into my full story. Uh, like a little background is, is, you know, I was able to put a year and a half together dry before I ever walked into a room. But um, I, in doing that, I dealt with a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, you know, to the point of agoraphobia. You know, I'm, I was an isolator. So I wouldn't leave my house. I didn't know how to function. I, you know, I spent most of my life being like a 15-year-old kid and didn't know how to adult, adult at all. Um, so in that time period when I was really dry, I was able to not drink, but I was completely white knuckling it and I didn't get better. You know, I had that illusion that if I stopped drinking, then everything in my life would magically just get better. I'd be able to function. And that just wasn't the case. But I I was alone. I was lost and I was isolated. Um, In doing that, like during that time period, I ended up meeting someone who worked at a restaurant right next to my house. And I would go in there and get food. And over the course of that, we started talking and kind of became friends. And I would uh, tell him what a little bit about my story and what I was going through. And he told me about his story and how he was in recovery, going to AA meetings. And um, so I was like, all right, that's fine. But we didn't, I didn't go to a meeting. I didn't, you know, he didn't, every once in a while he would say, Hey, I'm going to this meeting. Why don't you join me, you know, or whatever. But he didn't, you know, pester me about it or try to pressure me into it or anything like that. He would just casually mention it. So after knowing him for a while or whatever, we became really close playing a Pokemon Go, an augmented reality game. And that would get me out of my house because, you know, true to my addictive self, I had to catch every single one of them. So we both started playing that and we would hang out more and more. So after telling him multiple times that I wouldn't go to the, or that I didn't feel like going to the meeting, that I didn't need that, I knew what Alcoholics Anonymous is about or whatever, um, one day he just called me. He's like, Hey, I'm going to a meeting tomorrow morning. You know, we, do you want to come along? And for some reason, I have no idea why I just said, yes, that was the word that came out of my mouth. Naturally didn't think about it. I just said yes. And so the next morning I woke up early and I went with him to, uh, eight o'clock in the morning meeting here in celebration. Um, I was nervous. I was, uh, on the verge of a panic attack, you know, and that was my natural state at the time. 
And I, so I go into this meeting and I sit down and, you know, the beautiful thing about the recovery in celebration is that it's very diverse. You know, you get people of all walks of life. So you get people from all over the world since we're so close to Disney. So we're constantly have a flow of visitors and you get people of all ages and everything. So like that was my first impression walking in. It's like, wow, there's a lot of people here and they're all don't look like they would mix or whatever. Then like, you know, as I'm sitting there in my chair with my coffee uh, and the meeting's going on, I'm listening to everyone. And the strangest thing happened was that, you know, I'm hearing these people talk and they're all telling their stories and their experiences and stuff. And they're all laughing and they're all having a good time. But what they were laughing about was stuff that I was literally going through for the past year and a half. You know, the obsessive mind, the depression, the anxiety, all the craziness that comes with early sobriety and especially being dry. And it dawned on me, I was like, these people are laughing about the stuff that I can't laugh about, you know, like I hadn't laughed and I don't know how long, you know, I was completely hopeless and miserable. And so I thought like, well, if these people understand what I'm going through and they're able to laugh about it, maybe they have something. And it was the first time in a very, very long time that I got any type of hope. And it felt good, you know. So, like, after that, the next day, I went back. And the next day, I went back. And I've gone back pretty much every day since then. And, you know, I think as an outcome of that, of of that first, like, meeting and being able to relate to people and seeing that they understood what I was going through and they came out the other side and getting that first breath of hope. Like I considered that as like my, my sobriety day. Cause that from that day forward is when I started getting better. You know, I got a sponsor, I work the steps, I go every day. I try to be of service to anyone that I can be. And in the last two years, I've almost made a 180 from what I was in, from the state that I was in when I first walked in, you know, and I think that's pretty much sums up my first day, you know, from a complete darkened tunnel with no light at the end of the tunnel and complete misery to getting that first spark of hope. So and, you can, you consider your sobriety date the first day of your meeting, not the year and a half that you had dry. Before. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Because to me, like that, that first year and a half, I, I didn't get better. In a lot of ways, I got worse because I couldn't hide from my emotions, my reality or whatever behind alcohol or drugs or anything. So I didn't get better. I got in a lot of ways worse. So I don't count that as sobriety. You know, that first meeting that I went to was like the first day where I felt like I started taking the step in the right direction where before I was not taking steps in any direction. Yeah, I I think that's fascinating. Like something uh, I know uh, this morning we all went to a meeting and it's brought up uh, quite like quite often the whole isms, the alcoholism, you know, and the isms are in the mind. And it sounds like you saying that shows that like your sobriety date is not doesn't have to really do with the drink. It has to do with the, the mind when you day one of, of you kind of le- learning a new way of how to deal with life. 
you know, and not, uh, you know, maybe having anger or uh, maybe not anger. Maybe, yeah, just like uh, not wanting to, to deal with the outsider, kind of keeping yeah. stuff well, in. For, for me, I was more of a fear-based person rather than an angry person. Right. I wasn't really angry at people. I didn't hold a lot of resentments through my life. Um, not to say that I never had a resentment, but like I was definitely in a in a state of constant fear, you know, and the fear of like, you know, you get that thing is like, oh, well, I drank so long and I maybe I messed something up in my head or something. Maybe I'm just like mentally defective for the rest of my life. And like this is the the hell that I'm damned to because of the way I live my life. And you know, whether I'm drinking or not, like my mental state was still that alcoholic, you know, still wanted that instant gratification, still wanted everything else to just magically disappear. And then coming into the rooms, it was like, okay, well, here's a path out, you know, and, yeah. it, you know, these 12 simple steps, do what we, if you want, what we have, do what we do. And, you know, from hearing everyone else tell their experience and their strength from that first meeting, it showed me that they, you know, I related to it. So they, they, it showed me that they knew exactly what was wrong with me and that I could get better. And so that first meeting, you know, was, is almost like, you know, turning the chapter in a book, you know what I'm saying? It's like my life all the way up to this point was all these chapters that felt this way and it got me to this chapter. Now I'm turning the page to, to go off into a new life, to get better, to walk out of the darkness or whatever. And so to me, that is my sobriety date. That's the day that I, I, you know, stood at that turning point, you know, am I an alcoholic? Am I going to make a decision to, to try this way of life? And so like that's that's the day I made that decision. Yeah. Awesome. I think that's great. Th- yeah. Thank you, Dennis. James, your well, first meeting. What does that look like? Well, um, my first meeting was uh, in Miami Dade County. Um, I was 23 years old. Um, I had um, my son was born. He's my first son, and I um, I had been fighting a lot with my now ex, the mother of my children. And I, I could not stop drinking, uh, even though she asked me over and over again to please come home sober. I couldn't stop. So back then, uh, it was 2003, I, I looked up on my computer um, and I printed out a map quest because smartphones weren't really around yet. And I had a map to a meeting called The Upper Room in Miami. It was in North Miami. And I, it was in the afternoon. And I remember going there. And it was kind of what I expected. I only knew a little bit about AA from TV, movies. Um, but I didn't know what else to do. I knew that I, I had to stop because I was a father now. And I, I just needed help. So I went up here. I went up to the room and there was um, probably about eight couches all in a circle around this room. And they were old couches. They looked like they came from the side of houses being dumped out. 
or perhaps uh, a Goodwill, what have you. And uh, there was maybe six people in there all spread out. And I must have looked new. You know, I was um, 23, uh, youngest one in there by far, and it's pretty much a bunch of old guys. It, they weren't smoking in the room, but it, it certainly smelled like smoke, and it smelled just like coffee. I remember a strong smell of old smoke and coffee, and I, I kind of felt at ease because a guy came up to me right away. I sat down on the couch. Uh, I sank into the couch, literally, and... um because I think the springs were broken. And a, a guy came up to me, um, and I'll never forget it. He asked, uh, have you been here before? I said, no. He's like, well, you're, you're safe. You're in a good place. Um, he's like, just listen. Um, and I ended up having to, sh- to share in that meeting because there was only six people. And six people in an hour-long meeting, you're going to get some stuff out. And I don't remember what I said. Um, but I do remember at the end of the meeting, the same guy came up to me. He gave me a big book and he wrote his name in it and his number. And he told me to give me, give him a call if I have any questions, any concerns, anything. And that was my first meeting ever, my first experience. And I, I was, I didn't know what to expect, what to think. I do know that I took the big book back home. Um, I I read a little bit of it. I, I read a, different pieces of it. Uh, I connected with a lot of it. Um, but for the most part, um, it would be a long time before I got sober. Um, long time would be another 14 years of, of pain and suffering and hurting the ones I loved. But I don't know why I decided to go to AA um, or how I knew to go. Uh, It must have been just a little spark of intuition. Um, But I did go. And from that point on, um, I'll get into that later. Yeah. Uh, as far as my story. But that was my first experience. So it it was a good one. Uh, it kind of it kind of reminds me of um, one of my friend Richard speaks about his first time. <laughs> Every time he speaks of that, he actually spoke of it today, if you remember. So, kind of remember that. All right, um, that that'd be my first meeting ever. Okay, and that, uh, and I, I do want to, uh, like I said, in, in uh, the next couple episodes, two, three, and four. Uh, we'll tell our story because I'm really intrigued on, I guess that not second meeting, but second first meeting, you know, that got you to the, to the point of your sobriety date today. Um, and how that is, do you, do you want to tell that, tell that now, since we're talking about first meetings and like Dennis talked about his like year and a half that he had, uh, without it. And then the meeting. Oh yeah. That's, the lead up that's, to. I, yeah. So, um, Fast forward, uh, I went to um, many meetings. I picked up many white chips um, in and out of the program. I went to rehab for three months. Um, 
this is while I had two children. So I was seeing my children on the weekends. Um, I, I could not stay sober for the life of me. Um, I thinking about it now, it was just a matter of not becoming honest. Um, the shame and the fear and the guilt were eating me up, but I couldn't be honest because of the fear. Um, I didn't think that I would ever be, uh, taken seriously. I would be forgiven. Um, but what happened to me was, um, a profound spiritual experience. The book talks about, um, similar to uh, Bill W. when he had this just aha moment. I was um, I was working for a company. Um, I was still drinking at the time. I had not been to a meeting for probably four years. So I was just doing whatever I wanted to do. Um, and at the time, I was with my um, newly married wife she was married to me of course and (laughs) we were um we were drinking together and i was um we were living in a hotel because we were evicted from an apartment and i was like going in and out of psychosis like i was literally drinking myself to death and during that time i I started having these strange hallucinations uh, where the TV would talk to me. Like I would look at the TV and like there'd be a news anchor and he would be like, you need to go. You need to get help. And I would like, I would have to do a double take. I was like, are you talking to me? And he would answer back like, yes. And this was so real to me. And I was like, oh my, this is weird. This was weird. And then I started freaking out, like, what do I do? Um, At that time, I started getting a little paranoid. Um, I was thinking that the hotel room that I was staying at was bugged. And I was going to – there was a SWAT team outside trying – and they were coming to get me. This is all going on in a matter of two days. And – what happened next was I, I did um, a fist step with my wife. That's where I, I came clean about everything that I had left out before. Uh, what, what's, a, what's, a, what's a fist step? Did that would be out? talking to um, God and to another individual the exact nature of my wrongs. So basically the stuff that I was never going to tell anybody, I knew in this psychosis state that if I didn't get it out, I was going to die. And I I remember like getting in the bathroom and then my wife followed me and she, I was, she was on the other side of the door and I just start crying and I was like, and I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for everything I did. Um, and then I just started rattling off all this inside junk that's been just torturing me forever. And it was, it was scary. I didn't know what to expect. Um, I was at a, a seedy motel. 
And after all this, I mean, this took a good, it must've been stretched out for about seven hours. So this sounds just like replaying it all and talking to you, talking to you guys. It sounds completely insane, but this is what I went through. Um, I remember leaving the hotel room, uh, walking around and just feeling a little at peace. Um, but I, I, not really. I knew there was much more work to be done. Um, we actually, uh, for me, my, my experience was uh, I told my wife that I wanted to go to church. So the next morning, it was a Saturday night. The next morning we went to a church. And I remember, like, I was still, like, in and out of psychosis, like, not knowing if things were real or not. But she heard me that I wanted to go to church. I remember walking to the church doors and stopping right in front of the door. And I just, I couldn't go in. I don't know why, um, but I could not go in. Um, my wife, without skipping a beat, she turned around. She looked me in the eye and she said, you're forgiven. And I like melted. I, I was like, oh. <gasps> It, it it was like one of the it was another aha moment as I get chills just thinking about it as if she knew what I was thinking and then now now that I think about it she just heard all my crap so of course she's gonna say I'm forgiven because like yeah. you can't let that but um but it's exactly what I needed to hear in that moment I I went in there and when I walked in I I I felt at peace for the first time in. Gosh, over 15, 20 years, I, I couldn't I couldn't believe the peace I felt. Um, but I, I knew then that that wasn't enough. I knew that uh, there was there was more. Um, so I would I'd started volunteering at church, uh, but I was still volunteering after hours, and then me and my wife would still go get alcohol. And we would still be doing the same thing. But in my heart, I was feeling different. Um, it was one afternoon on a Friday. We both left work. And every time after work, we were working in the same office, we would go right to the liquor store right after work. We'd get our liquor, we'd get our cigarettes, and we'd do whatever we could uh, for that night. Um, but... We both walked out. We got to the car. And my wife looked at me. And she asked me if I wanted to go to a meeting. And I had been thinking about that all morning. And that was another just like, oh, yes. And we went. And we went to the Crossroads Club in West Palm Beach. Um. And we each picked up a white chip. And that was on June 2nd, 2017. And that was the last white chip I picked up. And um, we were still staying at the hotel. Our, our employer did not, decided he was not going to pay us anymore. So um, we came up here and right 
Um, there's a whole bunch of medical issues that I can get into, but long story short, I had a blood clot and I was hospitalized for five days. So we were actually on our way to Nebraska. I was going to go stay with my parents, but we ended up staying here in celebration with her parents instead. And I've been here ever since. And um, after a month in West Palm Beach, that's when I came up here and met Dennis and Mike. Um, and the rest is history. I don't know if that was a, if that was too much, but that's just my experience. Uh, n- nothing, nothing too much. You know, it's yeah. it's really all about day one and uh, and kind of what gets us uh, to that point. Um, my so my first meeting, just to um, hit on that, was in Burlington, Vermont, where I. I got sober where I took my uh, last drink, which was uh, my sobriety date, September 8th, 2014. Um, And I went to my first meeting because I had my last drunk the night before. Uh, It was, uh, you know, pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization is is a term that's thrown around uh, rooms in recovery. Essentially, uh, it's whenever you're desperate enough that, uh, you know, you realize that you don't want to, for me, I don't want to feel the way that I'm feeling anymore. You know, um, I feel like I had had instances where I was trying to control drinking and that didn't work. And I had an issue and I started hiding my drinking because uh, my wife um, who I love dearly was trying to tell me that I needed to, uh, stop drinking the way that I was and that wasn't going to happen. So I was hiding my drinking, sneaking my drinking, uh, doing the classic, you know, putting uh, water in the vodka bottle to make it look like I didn't drink what I did. And then when it was put in the freezer and it froze, and by the way, vodka is not supposed to freeze, you know? And then you take it out and you're like, what's going on here? You know, um, and I was caught time and time again. And the last time that I was caught uh, was, uh, you know, bad enough where I knew I would probably be losing my wife because, um, you know, she felt so bad for me because I was so drunk. She wasn't going to kick me out of the house because she thought that I would uh, I would probably die. Um, and at the time I was also working for her father. So I was working for my father-in-law and I would, would have lost my job, uh, and everything else. So the very first meeting I went to was one that I pretty much went to because I was trying not to lose everything. You know, like my wife told me that I had to go to an AA meeting. Uh, we had been married when I got sober, we had been married, uh, for for two years and even before we got married uh it was clear that the alcohol was a problem and i didn't see anything wrong with having drinks by myself because even my 21st birthday i had done that so uh when i realized that the next morning so my last drink that i probably had was at eight o'clock at night and i uh work early in the morning so in Burlington, Vermont, I knew there was a coworker of mine who also was in AA and had 10 years sobriety. 
and her name was Mary. And um, years earlier, she was actually, she used to be my boss who uh, hired me to Burlington, Vermont from where I was working, which was Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, and she, she just had, I guess she had everything that I, uh, that I wanted. And I didn't realize it at the time. All I knew is she knew where the meetings were. You know, this was 2014. I probably could have Googled and looked up a meeting. But if it wasn't for me knowing just a little bit of someone else in uh, recovery and being in close proximity with her office only being 15 feet from mine, I don't know if I would have went into my first meeting. But I walked in and um, many of us, I think, can relate to having those days where we kind of make an ass out of ourselves and our tails in between our legs, figuratively speaking. And you got your hat in your hand and you just, you just need help and you feel humiliated. And that was the, the feeling that I had. And I went in to her office and I made sure the door was shut. And I said, uh, Mary, I have a, I think I have a problem with alcohol. And she looked at me right in my eyes and I looked at her, I looked up and I said, no, I know, I know I have a problem. And she said, okay. And she went over to her computer, clicked a couple things and said, all right, uh, we're going to the brown bag. There's a meeting at noon. We're going to go there in two hours. And we're not, we weren't really allowed to take lunch breaks at my work. So this was very strange to just leave but she knew this is what it was she knew that she was going to have to come back to work afterwards and work extra hours and she didn't care um you know in the rooms uh that we work off a step system and step 12 is carrying the message uh to other alcoholics and one of those ways is service of helping out somebody else um and that's what she did and we went there uh she drove me in her car it was a 10 minute drive. And in that 10 minute drive, um, she didn't ask many questions because, you know, the only person that can say that you're an alcoholic is yourself, you know? And so she wasn't going to say, Oh yeah, you've done this and this and this. Yeah. You're probably an alcoholic. She just said, all right. Um, in this meeting we're going to go into, uh, it's a great meeting. I haven't been there for a while, but, just listen. It's a, it looks like it's a speaker meeting, which means somebody shares for 20, 30 minutes their experience of how they came into drinking, how they came into recovery, and how they came into the life that they have today, which um, odds are is better than the day before. And she said, just don't compare yourself to other people and what you didn't do that they've done. Uh, instead, just try to pick out a couple pieces, maybe a feeling that you felt in their story about how they were drinking or why they were drinking uh, or an occasion that they had. And I said, OK. And I was still very definitely drunk slash hungover from the night before um, when I walked into that room. Uh, and I had a hard time looking up at people's eyes. But she introduced me to a couple people. There was an older guy who probably had 40, anyway, years of sobriety that was sitting on a stool right near the front. 
He was eating uh, a cup of pretzels, and uh, his name was Cowboy Larry. And uh, Mary introduced me to him, and we didn't look like we had anything in common at all, at all. And then I introduced myself to some other people that I met. And it's funny how, I guess, in your head, you think that everybody uh, in recovery is going to be miserable and that they're they're going to uh, be down on their luck and wish that they could drink. And it's from what I've found, you know, more than nine times out of ten, it is not that way um, once people start putting in work in recovery. Uh, and I listened to the speaker and he I distinctly remember him talking about a story about having um, going to a party and they ran out of beer at the party and there was only one beer left and he was really drunk and a friend of his knocked his beer into the ashtray and this guy didn't have enough alcohol so he drank the beer out of the ashtray because he wanted to get more alcohol in him. And uh, I had done something very close to, and I said, that's so crazy. Cause everybody else, as soon as he says that, like it's a, that's a serious moment. That's a serious admission. And everybody's like laughing. Like who laughs at that kind of stuff? You know, like some of the stuff that gets laughed at, is because like we're not alone and uh you know whenever i would have a party i would have people over um you know they would they would drink their beers and then they would uh they would leave them and at the end of the night i wouldn't want to waste any alcohol so i would be drinking random people's beers instead of opening up a new one and i thought hey you can't get mad at me for drinking more beers we're just going to throw these away and i i saw a little bit in common with drinking out of an ashtray because I needed that. Like I needed, even if there was just, you know, uh, an inch of beer left in a bottle, I knew that, Hey, I'm not going to pour that down the sink because that's actually going to be good for me. You know, that's going to get me to where I need to be. Um, and I was taught in that first meeting that I never have to drink again. Uh, it was shared that, uh, I was the most important person in that meeting because I reminded people that had some time stacked up in sobriety of how it is day one. Um, and in that meeting, we went around the room to talk about, um, you know, you, you go around and you introduce yourself. Um, and if you're new to the meetings, you know, feel free to share your name. And everybody in the room was saying, Janet alcoholic, Marie alcoholic, Tony alcoholic. And, uh, it got to me and I had no problem that day saying I'm Mike, I'm an alcoholic because it's not that it's peer pressure, but I was just, I was just drinking by myself at the end and felt like I didn't have anybody else. And it is such a warm blanket to be put over you. When you know that everybody else is saying, hey, you know, I I have some, uh, you know, the name of this podcast is, you know, Defective Characters. 
And that's because I think at the core, we all have those defects and those things that we wish we could fix, but actually looking at them and putting in work to try to fix them is the real tough thing. That's like the work. And from day one, I was uh, able to, uh, to start that, you know, and, and just like uh, Dennis and just like you, James uh, said, that made you want to go to another meeting, you know, to kind of feel that. And, um, and on from there, I was able to uh, meet some fantastic friends in sobriety. And when I had a, a year and a half of sobriety, uh, my wife and I moved down to Disney and uh, to live down here. And I immediately started going to that home group that I was talking about at the beginning of this um, in celebration, celebrate the morning. If you're looking for a, a great meeting to go to, if you're vacationing in Disney, uh, obviously the three of us highly recommend it. So that's, um, that's day one. Do you guys have something else you want to add to it, to your, to your uh, contributions? No. <laughs> okay, that's pretty. <laughs> that's pretty great. So that's uh. So where it's it, if ever you were wondering, it's never more clear that we are defective characters. Uh, with this, but this is this is episode one, um, and I I thank you for for listening. Do you guys have anything you want to, you want to add or you want to wrap this up? Um, just, you know, if you're struggling out there, there, there's help. And there's so many people who genuinely care and are empathetic and have gone through exactly what you may be going through. So definitely reach out. The hand of AA is there to hold you, to, to walk along with you, find a sponsor, go to meetings, um, you know, it's, it's hope is there. And once you have hope, you know, just the work and the freedom. That's nice. Okay. Gentlemen, we will plan on, uh, every single Thursday. There'll be a new, uh, new topic that we're tossing out. And in the, the first couple hearing the uh, experience, strength and hope, as well as some of those topics of the people, uh, in the rooms, around celebration and thankfully there's so many people vacationing around disney as well we should be able to pull in uh some people uh from hey maybe even close to you you know where you're listening right now if ever you're vacationing definitely reach out to us so that way we can hear your message as well absolutely and mike if i am correct uh dennis uh, did volunteer to share his story next week so i'm really excited about that yeah, that'll be that'll be good. Try to try to limit the f bombs if you can, Dennis. Yeah, uh, Dennis, do my best. This <laughs> isn't this isn't quote unquote volunteers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just it's just another one of those suggestions. Okay. Um, 